Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hey, and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. I am Liz Loza. Sitting across from me is Matt Harmon, the ace Redditor. Saw your work, thought it was very ingenious, innovative, excellent. Didn't read your answers, figured they were good takes. Also, Brett's mm-hmm. here. Hey. No promise on they were good takes, but it is always uh, fast and furious. I did a Reddit AMA, I think, I don't know, like last year too, and it's it's, it's aggressive. They, they got a lot of questions there on Reddit. Good. Well, I thought it was very smart to do, so excellent work. I uh, bet you fielded many Curtis Samuel questions. You know... I answered, I think, because there's so many, you can't get to all of them. I mean, if you tried hard, you could. It's like 227 responses I, again, in an hour. Again, I did not follow it's, the link. It's so. quite an awful lot. <laughs> well, that's good. I mean, that's um, a nice humble brag, too. Well, I think it would have been the same if you had done it as well. Liz, oh, that's not but, my space. I stay in my lane. Yeah, that's it's good to stay in your lane. Um, but at this point, like, what more is there to say about Curtis Samuel, you know, I, I think I'm we're in this we're probably all in this space right now where it's just like, let's just let's just see the let's damn go. things. Let's just get it over with. You know all what right. I mean? Well, unfortunately, Jerick McKinnon wants to get some shit behind him, too. Oh, that is well. Yeah. This ACL tear has been haunting him, really. I, I was going to say plaguing him, but it's worse than that, haunting him, because every time it looks like he's good enough to get on the field and take a couple of reps in practice, he has another setback, flare-up, choose-your-adjective, not-great-thing that has occurred to him. Um, and while this is not stunning news, I think what it has done to the rest of the backfield that was looking really murky a couple of months ago is now... Well, it's still murky because Malbaritas look pretty good in preseason action, too. Yeah. Are you buying into the 50-50 split coming out of what Burita was able to do in that last preseason game? 50-50, 60-40, something like that. You are closer to the 50-50. Yeah, I mean, I think, but that's okay to me. I think both of these guys are great picks at their cost. I mean, Tevin Coleman is a guy I've been drafting a lot over the last, you know, month, month and a half because... Originally, yeah, I was off the 49ers backfield when I thought it was going to be split three ways, potentially, you know, even maybe more than three ways because Jeff Wilson was potentially mm-hmm. there. They still have Kyle Juszczyk, you know, laying around as a guy that can catch the ball, too. I like to just really lean into it. Um, oh, did and, you just say lean in? Yeah, right. Um, um, do you want to give the numbers to everybody from the third preseason game? It was Burita, just so that there's a... Um, you fire you fire away at it if you <laughs> got it. Just them down. So... <laughs> Breeder ran seven times for 44 yards and caught two balls for 31 yards and a touchdown, which he lined up in the slot to catch. I think that point that he 
scored his touchdown via the air is an important one Mm -hmm. to make. Coleman, on the other hand, ran nine times for 19 yards and one reception for two yards. I think the number of touches, the volume here is what has football Twitter freaking out a little bit. Yeah, I mean, they're splitting snaps with the with the first team offense. And I think that's probably to be expected. Look, Matt Breida's good. I've been yeah. I've been a fan of Breida since the beginning of last year. I mean, he's I think he's the and I've said this all along, he's the best pure runner on this team, even when you take into account Jarek McKinnon. I mean, I think you could make an argument that Jarek McKinnon's the worst pure runner on this team of the three of these guys. So I think Breida was always going to play a role, but you know, this but is his, a per- but his his pedigree isn't as good. Like he wasn't no. invited to the combine, even though he had an epic Undrafted pro day in guy. 2017 out of Georgia Southern. 89 percentile spark athlete. I don't think a lot of people know that either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Played like a Wolverine last year, you know, consistently hurt, but kept grinding, which like was that, like a Wolverine. almost kind of annoying for fantasy. It's like, <laughs> yeah. dude, just sit a couple games, right. like get better, you know, but they didn't um, have that luxury of depth last year. They did not. But I mean, you even remember like this again, this is such a productive backfield that you know, they were fifth in running back yards from scrimmage last year, despite the fact that this was an offense manned by, you know, friggin' Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard. And we assume that Jimmy G being back will take them up at least a notch. But overall, it was still an efficient offense. It's still going to be a productive backfield. I mean, even Jeff Wilson, you know, when he was getting like 20 touches, I think it was a game he saw like over 20 touches and was a fantasy flex option. So this is a, a backfield where I'm in on both of these guys at cost. Breida, obviously, it's it's sort of the... Maybe, I don't know, the lesser heralded version of the um, Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman split where we expect both of these guys to be productive. We sure. expect both overall. We expect the, it's the same system. Do you think Tevin Coleman can ever be as good as Philip Lindsay was in his rookie effort, though? No, not necessarily. But that's he certainly why he, hasn't been. Th- that's why he's cheaper. I mean, he was good that one year under Kyle Shanahan in Atlanta. But well, he's like been as a top a, 20 fantasy back in three of his last four seasons yeah. and his rookie year he was hurt so right so I mean overall he's a good he's a good player but he's a committee back so oh I mean Brita being there is good and again when it's like the Patriots backfield we hate it when it's split between like James White Rex Burkhead Sony Michelle and Brandon Bolden's chipping in there but when it it becomes just Sony Michelle and Dion or so it was like Dion Lewis and James White that one year. We knew what to do. We knew we could play both of these guys. Mm-hmm. That's great. I think this is a lesser version than that. So when it gets down to two players, cool with it. If it becomes three plus, then you're looking at a dicey situation. So Coleman right now is a top twenty five option. I think he can definitely return on that investment. Um Burita, a top thirty five option. Also think he could return on that investment. It is worth noting, I think, that um Coleman has, at least in Atlanta, again, not with Kyle Shanahan because he was gone at that point, back-to-back years averaged just over 10 touches per game and two targets per game, which was pretty close to what Burita did. Mm-hmm. I see the split being more of a, a 60-40 split because I, at least to begin the season, um, because I think that you got to crush, you got to crush. And Kyle Shanahan has always had a crush on Tevin Coleman. That's his guy, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Tevin Coleman's got to, like, break his heart before <laughs> he'll let himself before Kyle will let himself stray. Yes, and when he uh, when he first saw, or when Coleman kind of flopped last year, you know, the, the heartbreaking moment for many fantasy owners, Kyle wasn't there. He wasn't right. looking. Wasn't looking. He wasn't. He's busy with his own life. He was. He was trying to get on with uh, Jared McKinnon until McKinnon messed him up too. So yeah, you know who's <laughs> going to mess us up? Chris Harris. No, Christopher Harris would never mess us up. But he is here. Should we talk about him now? Are we Let, not. What are we doing? Let's talk to Chris Harris. <laughs> And joining us on this very special episode of the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast is Christopher Harris of the Harris Football Podcast, also known as the little podcast that could. 
Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, you guys. I'm very excited. It's not that I talk to you guys a lot, but I'm happy to do it on your turf. Often it's on my turf. So thank you for having me. Well, you do have a show like every day. I do. Five days a week. I have a podcast. I have a lot of space to fill is your point. I got, <laughs> this time, especially this time of year. Oh, God, there's, it's good to do crossover episodes. And for those of our listeners who may not be familiar with your work, this is, I think, and I am using the sarcasm button here, your favorite time of the year because of all of the very factual things that go on. <laughs> yeah, not so much. Um, also, can we just like take a pause and say that I worked at Yahoo before either one of you knuckleheads? That's true. You had a cup of coffee here, right? I mean, it is the season for victory laps, so go take yours, big guy. <laughs> I don't know if that does that count as a victory lap. Nothing against Yahoo, but you know. <laughs> All right, so Chris, <laughs> let's. Um, we're going to talk about players and consensus and different. We're going to talk dissenting opinions. Get ready. It's a podcast where we don't all agree. If that isn't a format, I don't know what is. And we're going to begin with you. And your love of Mark Ingram, which is higher than the consensus sees. It is my. It is higher. Yeah, I'm higher in micro. I guess I can't speak for why the market. Well, I guess I can. But so, why do you love him so much, and where do you have him? And then I will. Yeah, we will. Weigh every, in. Everything is sort of love is all relative. Like I like all players at the right price. I'm just willing to pay a higher price on Ingram. Um, in standard leagues, I have him 23. In PPR, I have him 32. So. That is higher than that's higher than pretty much any market <clears throat> and the feeling. So so you guys both know this and maybe some of the audience knows or not. But I mean, my goal this time of year is to very much not react to you. You indicated earlier, Liz, like the farts and whistles, as I call them, of <laughs> of the you know, training camp beat reports day by day. Oh my God, that looks, guy looks great. That guy's, you know, Maurice Harris is going to be starting any day now, I'm sure. Um, yeah, some of us fell for that. That's cool. <laughs> right. Well, I so mean, uh, smile and give me a line and I'm hook, line and sinker. It's fine. My, right. My goal is to kind of weed all that stuff out and not, and, and also not react to what everybody says a team is going to be like, do we have, you know, am I going into the season saying that the Titans offense has every bit as good a chance to be as good as the Chiefs offense? I'm not. But I also don't love that the prime reason someone doesn't want to draft a player is that they're sure they're in a bad situation because we are wrong all the time about, you know, the the straw man argument that I've been, it's not a straw man, it's the truth. I mean, the Browns were a five predicted five win team last year, while the Bears were a predicted six week team, six win team last year, while the Packers were supposed to win 10 and they won six and the Raiders were supposed to win eight and they won four. Like we're wrong, not, not about all of them, but we're wrong about enough of them where I would hate to, for that to be the prime reason to avoid a player uh, who you think is good. Now, an exception to, I have a few exceptions to that and I cop to them. And one of them is that I don't think Lamar Jackson can throw straight and that offense is going to be pretty run based. I feel more confident in saying the Ravens are going to be run based than any other team in the league. And I may not even say that about any other team in the league, but I don't trust the quarterback to throw it. And uh, therefore, if, if we could get a good, a good running back in there, boy, I would be really, really interested. And you guys both know that last year there was a sense the Ravens were going to be run oriented. And I was so much lower on the market than Alex Collins because I thought Alex Collins, oh, what's the word, stunk at football. <laughs> and I think Mark Ingram is very good. And so do I this is not a vote to say that he gets 90 percent of the workload. I'm sure Justice Hill will be involved in some way, but that there is. That, that the style of offense that they want to run, that's tons of, I'll stop talking in a second, that's super jet motion, that's lots of RPO or just flat out read option running, lots of horizontal stuff that a north-south 
kill people with every single snap kind of running back is perfect for that team. I have liked Mark Ingram all offseason as well for a lot of the same reasons. I'm a little bit higher on, or probably quite a bit higher on Lamar Jackson taking a step forward in year two than Chris is. But at the same time, I obviously this is going to be a run-based offense. And Mark Ingram himself has talked about how diverse the running plays are and and he's and he's saying that you know coming from a a situation in new orleans where we all know that they they run the ball well pretty much annually so i really like mark ingram the player um i've been in on him at cost all year and um he's someone that i'm excited about and i think that you can draft justice hill and be really excited about justice hill while also recognizing that ingram is a great pick where he's going to i agree with everything i mean i have mark ingram as a top 25 running back in half point PPR. So I th- that might even be higher than you, Chris. Top 25 overall, you mean, not top 25 running back. Top 25 running back in half point PPR. Oh, I have him a lot. I have a lot higher than that. You mean top 25 overall. Where do you have him as a running back? 13? Oh, you have him at, okay. You said you had him at 32 overall then. Right. Got right. it. Where do you have him overall? I'm curious. I don't know. <laughs> um, let me get to the f- tab i don't know i don't know, I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> I, do we do do we do overall rankings uh, here i don't i don't do any rankings here except on my tiers i but, mean they uh, automatically yeah, whatever they sort themselves yeah yeah so they populate i don't yeah. actually know but i have him as a he's my rb20 in half point ppr so he's your rb13 so you are indeed much higher on him than the consensus so in in PPR he's RB fourteen full PPR he's RB fourteen for me and in standard he's RB eleven for me it is higher than consensus it is but you know honestly I I understand arguments for lots of guys behind him of course I recognize that there may be some do- more dynamic players with more diverse ways to get you fantasy points behind him but it seems to me that they all have warts in ways that Ingram's wart is okay, not all that laterally quick, you know, not going to really run for a lot of ADR touchdowns, but just a just a killer. And if it feels to me like he has the least warts of that group that I feel like there is kind of a drop after the top 10, but um, he's my next guy. So Stefan Diggs is the next guy on your list. Where do you have him? Not overall, just among wide receivers. <laughs> well, I'm trying to tell people where they could draft him, not... <laughs> I have him. Uh, he's he's my number one flag player. You know, my flag player situation. He's my number one uh, flag player uh, this year. I have him 11 in standard scoring among wide receivers. I have him 12 in PPR and standard scoring. Basically, the difference being I have Thielen behind him by one spot in standard and ahead of him by two spots in PPR. Boom. I have Thielen behind Diggs, too. Make it three. I also What's have up? I also have Diggs at eleven as well. So same. we're right on the same. All yeah. Diggs at eleven. Uh, where do you have Thielen in relation, Matt? Right, literally right behind. Well, I have at thirteen. Oh, who do you have between them? I have uh, Brandon Cooks between them. Sick. I yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, Diggs is the man. I mean, this oh, is this is this purely like a Chris? You uh, you grind that film. You know that film. I do. You put it up in the grinder. Do you have a YouTube show? Yeah, I do. YouTube.com slash Harris football. And I did a best. Oh, Matt, I don't know if you've seen the show. I did top five route runners in the NFL. Oh, you did. I, that's interesting. Oh, I'm a, on your hashtag brand. I'll How about to, that? I'll have to go watch and uh, make sure it's all correct uh, for my <laughs> for my sense. You get a, a note from the legal team at Harmon Esquire. Yeah. Yeah. My, my two man legal team of my dog and former roommate. Oh, um, I didn't even know that that was a thing that he actually did. But yeah. I shouldn't be surprised. Yeah, of course. Of okay. course not. Um, but I assume Stefan Diggs is on the list, Chris. Oh, yeah. Number two. 
Nice. Yeah, he's he's just absolutely fantastic route runner. Incredible. Came into the league just knowing how to get open. I, apropos of nothing, maybe we're going to... I forget what names we're going to talk about, but I didn't put him in the top five route runners because he doesn't have enough film, generally speaking. But the extent to which he came into the league being able to get open right away, you know, Dante Pettis, yeah. all of the all of the blah, blah, blah about the coach and all the blah, blah, blah. Like, I, thought, I view that as great. Great. Lessen the price. Cool. I want Dante <laughs> Pettis because he gets open. Well, that's the next guy. So let's oh. go talk about it. We had Josh Norris of Roto World on the show a couple of weeks ago, and he also was completely in on Pettis. And we talked about whether or not, I mean, I know you don't care about this stuff, but we just like to address it so that people know that we have <laughs> an opinion about it, whether to buy into it or not. But all of this Kyle Shanahan kind of banging on him was about encouraging him to work harder, really, quote, earn that job. Um, although he does have a little bit of a groin injury, and those that's one of those injuries that I will at least be a little bit um, on alert about. Um, because of Stefan Diggs, the player we just talked about, right? Exactly. So... What are your thoughts, furthermore, on Pettis? And where do you have him? Of course, we have to play the where do you have him game. Um, I'm going to say where I have him overall because that's what people, that's what the people want. Great. Tell, um, tell me on my show what the people want, Chris. <laughs> Please do. I would, I would take him in the seventh round. I would take him among my first reserves. Uh, he, you don't need to take him there. I, I, you, can take, you can get him in the ninth or the tenth in most drafts, even PPR. And that is artificially def- – well, it's either artificially or legitimately deflated by this opinion the coach seems to have that – listen, I'm a total hypocrite. In many, many ways, Liz Loza, as you're aware in my personal life, but I am certainly a hypocrite when it comes to this, which is – the only thing, you know, you come on my show in July and what do we talk about? Well, the only thing we can really pay attention to is when the coaches say negative things. And then Kyle Shanahan comes out and says a negative thing. And I go, oh, he's just motivating him. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's obviously stupid. To every rule. It's fine. That's I mean, it's no, I'm I acknowledge it is not good. I don't care if he's motivating him. I don't care if this is a truly Kyle Shanahan's opinion. It's not good. It deserves to deflate his stock some. But the reason I'm still willing to take the plunge is what Matt just kind of assented to which is the the route running is crazy he he just immediately had that quickness and that kind of purposefulness with every foot he can cut off of any foot a foot on any route he defensive backs got scared of him real quick when he came back from the injury at the end of last year and um the reason I'm willing to take on the risk, which I acknowledge the negative talk is a risk, but the reason I'm willing to take it on is because I'm not spending anything like a starting draft pick to get him. Do you think he kind of reminds you, does he remind you a little bit of Keenan Allen as a young yeah, player? That's, that's the comparison. Yeah. yeah. And spoiler alert, Allen is number one on my list there on YouTube. Now oh, nobody needs yep. to go watch the YouTube uh, show, which is fine. Yeah. Allen's my, my favorite runner in the league. And Pettis is absolutely like, he's actually probably a better athlete than Keenan Allen. I say yeah. this a lot on my show, but Keenan Allen would lose a straight up foot race to every single corner in the league. That's not opinion. That's fact based on their 40 times. He's the slow, he's slower than every corner who plays in the league. And yet they're all terrified on him and they won't bump him. They're all terrified of him because he's amazing as a route runner. Pettis is probably a little bit better athlete, but yes, the answer to your question. Yes. Yeah. I, I've, I've been totally willing to take the discount. On. I mean, I was drafting Dante Pettis before all, all this negative noise. Hullabaloo. Great, great way to say it. Before all this hullabaloo, <laughs> I was taking Pettis in like the sixth round really confidently. I did drop him down a tier, but, you know, not significant. I still think he's like a seventh, eighth round pick. But like, yeah, Chris, I was doing a draft with somebody la- yesterday and, and went in the tenth damn round. He's going in the yeah. middle of the ninth right now. Hey, give me a break, Dante Pettis in the ninth, tenth round. Take that plunge. Who, who cares if it doesn't work well, out? Well, Matt, do you think it might partially because, be because of your Marquise Goodwin takes? Well, I think that I don't, I think both things can be true. Like Goodwin is 
not a guy that you really want to – you certainly do not want to be relying on Marquise Goodwin in your standard redraft league. But the point with Marquise Goodwin is like, yeah, he's the perfect like 15th round best ball pick when you're looking at goofballs like Hunter Renfro and Trey Quinn and all these slot receiver guys that, that will – yeah, sure, they can give you like 5, 4, 58 every now and again. That's Well, we nice talked about floor. the rapport with Jimmy Garoppolo yeah. and the undervaluing of Marquise Goodwin because he hasn't been consistent or healthy. Yeah. But and it's worth. So there's a volume discussion. It's worth wondering how many targets can he really, really get. But I think talent wise, yeah, he's. I've been consistent on this since they drafted these new guys in um, April or whatever. That Pettis combines the short area specialty of a Debo Samuel or a Jalen Hurd and the vertical game ability of a Marquise Goodwin into one player. Get you a man who can do both, Christopher. I am interested to hear your James Conner take because mine has been up and down all summer. But you are higher on mm. him right now. Oh, he's lower? I am? Oh, you're no, lower more. on him. Yeah. So tell me why. Get your notes straight there, Liz. Get your, okay. get your nose straight. Get your head on straight. It's your show after all. Um, <laughs> Thank you for the reminder. <laughs> I have James Conner. You know, I put I, I did a, a bust list and I put Conner on the, on, the, on the bust list, but it you know, I don't think he's going to bust. I just think at the, I wouldn't pay his. It was my way of saying I wouldn't pay a first round pick for him. And it's yet another hypocrisy of mine where I, here I am trying as best as I possibly can to make situation matter as least as possible. Situation matters even beforehand, of course. Damian Williams isn't where he's ranked. If we thought Kansas City wasn't going to be a wagon, the three Rams receivers wouldn't be where we have them top 20 adjacent if we didn't think the Rams offense was going to be a wagon. So it's already hypocritical. I'm not saying I don't look at situation beforehand. I just try to be less sure about as many situations as a lot of people do beforehand. And one of those ones like Ingram in Baltimore, last time I saw them play, the Steeler offensive line was still great and the offense still was able to produce even without Le'Veon Bell there. And Therefore, it is a good situation. If you took James Conner and put him in Miami, I'm fairly certain not only would the market hate it because they just don't want anybody on a team they think could, you know, might stink, mm -hmm. but also I wouldn't like it as much. I mean, just I don't think he's a good enough player to carry an offense. So I'm already filtering it. I mean, basically, James Conner's entire rank is almost situation. I'm just willing to value the situation a little bit less than the market, whereas the market wants to take him at the end of the first round. I have number 17 overall roughly standard and PPR. So I'm not getting him any drafts at that point. That's clear. And even his biggest defenders don't usually use the argument that says what a player James Conner is. They say he's big and we like that because you can do the LeGarrette Blunt thing and he's better than LeGarrette Blunt, but you can score a bunch of short touchdowns if it works out. And then, you know, from there, he's decent. He's okay. But uh, you line him up to the other running backs that he's being drafted near. And I, the worry I have is just, okay, what if this is the year the Steeler offensive line gets old or Antonio Brown not being there makes a difference or Ben Roethlisberger is not the same? Like, there's an X percent chance that isn't factored into right, that Right, so what you're saying is that this version of the Steelers in 2019 is not going to be an easy copy and paste of all of the years that have come at least recently before. I mean, I'm just saying I, I think there's an X percent chance that that's true and that isn't priced into his price. There was some worry, too, that like Jalen Samuels would chip in and be a factor. There was some worries about Benny Snell when he got there. drafted. Say it. Say it to the heavens. But so far in preseason, that's not been the case. He's been pretty much the guy. When the first team offense is out there, it's been just James Conner and just James Conner alone, which 
in traditional Steelers fashion, that is how they have used their running backs. It's been all Le'Veon Bell all the time. It's been all D'Angelo Williams all the time. It was all James Conner all the time pretty much last year. So at least that part of the worry has been quelched. Alleviated. I'm kind of with – I don't know. I'd never find myself drafting James Conner in the end of round one. I will certainly think about it in the end or at the beginning of round two, but I – I think I like Nick Chubb better there. Yep. Um, you can't get Nick Chubb there anymore, though. It, it is starting to become you much more difficult. Like the eight. I saw him go at 1.4 today in a best ball draft. Um, My husband took him at 1.5 in a draft we did together just to snipe me. Oh, <laughs> hell yeah. Um, I, but to me, the end of the first round is wide receiver zone, and I'm not really interested in any running back at that point. Fair enough. Um, so the final player that we're going to talk on Chris talk about on Chris's list, and I love this one, is Kyler Murray. Because hmm. Brad Evans here, I mean, I don't know if you you can probably hear him yelling about Kyler Murray all the way from his man cave in Denver. He's so excited and loud about him. And I think that this is one of the more polarizing players, not just from a fantasy perspective, but from an NFL philosophy perspective. So, Chris, I am I'm going to imagine that your take on him is that, sure, the ceiling is is there, but there are other guys with floors much higher than Murray's. And so why why make that risk if you don't have to at a position so deep? Yeah, exactly. You yeah. just said it right. I, and I, you, I didn't have to imagine Brad yelling at me. I did Brandon and Brad's podcast ah. and they asked me about it. So I got the actual real in-person yelling. Uh, yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, to We're say in a that similar wavelength no- about Murray. So I, I'm with you on that. I think Matt might be a little higher. To say that there's no downside, like I had someone come on my show and they all bl- blur together and this was a wrong take so I forgot who said it. Uh, to say that there's <laughs> there's essentially no downside in Kyler Murray because if they're good, if that's a great offense, if they're if they're crank, if the air raid works, well obviously he's good and if they're behind, their strategy is going to be to try to keep digging deeper so they're just going to keep throwing so it doesn't matter which is, that's the Bortles philosophy that gets you yeah. in such trouble. There's the one Bortles year where he kept screwing up in the first half and racking up garbage points in the second half and finished at QB six or whatever it was but that doesn't usually work i mean vince young is standing over there on the sideline screaming at you going hey hi i'm the downside i'm the i'm the downside over here i was a good runner like it it is the downside is that the offense is terrible that the offensive line is terrible that he throws four interceptions a game that nobody can get open like there's there's clear clear downside kyler murray's going ahead of drew Brees. i think people need to take a saliva test i mean i think that the interesting thing about like the argument that there's no floor because they would be or that there's no downside because they'd be throwing the ball. I mean, get into trouble with this as as fantasy people sometimes because we think more passes equals more good things. But it's actually statistically not true. The more you throw, you're not that does not correlate to the more opportunity for error. Yeah, the more especially when you're down, you're pushing it. You can right. throw interceptions. You can take sacks, et cetera, which just kills drives. So. Actually, there's no like you'd think like more pass attempts positively correlates to more fantasy points. That's not true. It's just statistically not not a thing. So I I find myself somewhere in the middle with Kyler Murray. I think I'm a little bit more optimistic than you two, but not nearly (laughs) as optimistic as Brad. Have in any of your drafts, have have you taken Murray at all in any of your drafts? No, in some basketball drafts, but never in a not in a one redraft quarterback league because there's. Late round guys that I like 
more. Right. Also, like if you shouldn't I don't think you should view there's maybe like five, six, seven type guys that I think you can take as your QB one and like I'm just riding with these guys for the rest of the season. The rest of them I view as totally replaceable. And in that situation, I'm I'm gonna take a Lamar Jackson over Kyler Murray in that scenario because the schedule to start the season just looks much more appetizing than what Kyler Murray is going to have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Well, can I can I actually can yes. I make a point about that about the whole it doesn't matter like I get that a lot too. So what I'm going to draft the most upside I can get at quarterback because it doesn't matter in in a 12 team league I'll just be able to get whoever I'll, Kirk Cousins will be sitting there and I'll grab Jimmy Garoppolo will be sitting there and I'll grab him. That's all well and good, but. Often it it hurts your fantasy team when you go one and three to start a year. Like when do you cut bait? If Kyler Murray is bad week one, is that is that when you cut him? I don't know. We're mostly going to tell people after week one, be eh, patient. You know, be patient. Take take keep the guy you you know you drafted him for a reason kind of thing. Like it's all well and good that guys are replaceable, but I think if you're going to want to replace them, they're going to dig a hole for your. Now maybe you win your fantasy games despite them, so you get away with it. But I bet there will be a lot of teams out there where if Kyler Murray flops, they'll have to hold on for a month, and at that point their seasons are kind of over. It, at least his draft cost has come down because that definitely would have been the case when people were taking him in like the seventh, eighth round. It'd be, they would be much more willing to try to ride it out. Right. Do, Liz, do you remember his nickname from that you gave him from my podcast? No. Chicken Strips? Why did I say that? I don't know. You he, said it. Because <laughs> he, he put on a bunch of weight for the combine. Oh, that's right. Uh, that was when we did that. We've done a couple of shows since then. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, because everyone was like, look at him. He's not so skinny. And I was like, he probably ate some chicken strips on an airplane and maybe washed it down with some sushi. And like, you can gain six pounds that way. Not that hard. No. It's an all-timer of a nickname, chicken oh. strips. <laughs> I'll write it down for next time. (laughs) Um, So, yes, good old chicken strips. I have not drafted him once either. Harmon, you are higher on Tyrell Williams than the consensus. Is this because Tyrell Williams, for some reason, has not been on hard knocks very much, and so people have forgotten him? Because (laughs) A.B. is... Is uh with his all of his drama is clout is shadowing leaving him in a shadow. I haven't watched this week's episode yet. I have not but, either. But like, man, if there was if there was uh, no AB and there was no John Gruden, this would be not a fun season to watch because there's just like maybe Darren Waller. I don't know. But anyways, no one cares about Fra- that. Frank Caliendo was on it this week again. Again, I know he's on it the week before. <laughs> he did a whole bit. How many more bits does this guy have? Never mind. Uh, maybe I know that, the answer maybe to it that. was that bit. Okay. Uh, maybe that was the one I saw. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so Tyrell Williams is like an eleventh round pick right now, and I really really like taking him you know around around and a half ahead of his adp because number one chris you'll appreciate this i think he's good like i think when he was in 2016 he showed two really strong skills which one he can get vertical and two he can make plays after the catch he's been one of the better yards after catch receivers over the last three years so I really like those two skills. I think that transfers into starting caliber play for wide receiver for a wide receiver. Um, I also think there's going to be a decent amount of volume to go around in um, Oakland because I think their offense is kind of top heavy right now. Because I think Antonio Brown will command a ton of volume. Then there's Tyrell Williams and Hunter Renfro will chip in, and maybe Darren Waller takes a step forward. Um, but overall, I think most of this work is going to be split between. Brown and Williams and I just I think he's most he's going to be very likely to outkick that wide receiver 50 ADP I have him 10 spots ahead of that at wide receiver 40 Um, so I I think when you're looking at late round receivers he's one of my favorite bets like I'm definitely taking Tyrell Williams or like Cortland Sutton or you know one of these Deshaun Jackson I, I just think that overall good player good what should be a good situation for opportunity in Oakland I don't think anyone can. Do you have any disagreements with that, Chris? 
think it's a very um, astute point in time. No, Williams is not a player that we have talked about on the show. Uh, no, no, I'm with Matt. Matt I'm PPR. I have him. I take him in the ninth round. He's, yep. he's a couple rounds earlier for me. Um, I, I think he's not likely. I think that maybe the reason why someone would take a Cortland Sutton over him is that there's a whatever percent chance that Sutton is ready. He was really raw. Sutton was last year. Super raw. To, th- that maybe Sutton takes some crazy step ahead in his development and can actually be an every week fantasy starter. Whereas people think, wow, for Tyrell Williams to be an every week fantasy starter, there's a word where that happens, but the Raiders offense really needs to be a wagon. And I'm not sure that's going to happen. You know, maybe, maybe it does though, which is why I think you take a good player with a chance to have it happen. So I think Matt said it right. Matt, do you think that the Texans offense is a wagon? And that is, is that potentially why you like Will Fuller? I do. And Chris, I think it's funny. Like, Maybe a year and a half ago, I think actually maybe the first time you ever had me on your show, we talked about Will Fuller and, you know, you were like, tell me that he's just, you know, just a deep threat or just a one trick pony. And it's always and my answer at the time was, yes, I do think he's just a one trick pony. And I think obviously all the numbers are not going to sustain themselves. Well, I don't think either of those statements are true now at this point. I think Will Fuller has taken a big step forward. I think he's probably at this point when he plays the best deep threat in the NFL. And I realize I've already given the big caveat of when he plays, which will, of course, come back to spite me at some point uh, (laughs) because he will, of course, get injured. That's just what's going to happen. Right. But but what but what if but what if he doesn't? Uh, I have him at wide receiver 23. He goes off the board as like wide receiver 34. Um, I think he's a perfect sixth round pick and a wide receiver heavy start if he's like your wide receiver three wide receiver four if you've already loaded up at the position i love being exposed to his weekly upside while being insulated from the obvious risk of who will fuller is because we know when he plays he's money um and i do think that this texans offense liz has a chance to be a wagon and drag guys like will fuller into big time productivity drag guys like duke johnson into big time productivity because i think deshaun watson stirs the drink here um, and I, I'm very confident in this player when he's on the field. It's just one big question, which, of course, is the health. I think it's just interesting that this this is I don't know why it's in my brain, but um, Bill O'Brien loved Will Fuller and recruited him to Penn State while he was there. And obviously he went to Notre Dame. Will Fuller did. Right. And so when he was drafted, everyone was like saying the same thing. He was a, a one trick pony. And so as Bill O'Brien is making these decisions that baffle us, right, as this co-GM head coach situation. I think about what you have said about Will Fuller and how he's worked within the reception perception methodology, methodology, methodology. Yeah, to write the first. Okay. Sometimes I think, oh, maybe, maybe Bill O'Brien knew something we didn't know. Also using a third round pick on Duke Johnson and then Lamar Miller goes down. He's like, what, what's going on? What sort of voodoo is Bill O'Brien like working? (laughs) He either knows what he's doing or he's falling ass backwards into Into, the right decisions. That never happens. (laughs) That never happens. People never fail forward. Do you want to talk about a really exciting division? The AFC East? (laughs) I mean, it's, it's home to your, to your beloved Patriots, Chris. So. The footy pajamas. Indeed. Indeed. Look at that. Indeed. At the same time, it's almost like we could be co-hosts. I'm right here. Tell me about, <laughs> tell me, tell me what piece of the Patriots do you want to talk about first? Uh, you know, I don't think we're going to have a lot of revolutionary differences in our respective assessments of it, except for Tom Brady. 
And maybe maybe I'm even wrong about that, but I'm just so I write the almanac thing that I send you guys that you've seen at least that exists, and I write it in a total vacuum, and I don't look at ADP until like mid August because I just want my opinions to be my own. Mm. So I'm blithely churning, you know, like getting in the car and just driving along. Why wouldn't Tom Brady be a top ten quarterback? Of course he would be. He always is. He will be again. He he was quarterback maybe 13 last year but he was less than six points away from quarterback eight so i'm sort of just kind of hanging out and saying that's what yeah of course everybody's going to just say that and then i wake up whatever that was august 10th and i look at adp and i go oh tom brady's qb 104 cool interesting (laughs) (laughs) so you know i obviously where i have him rated isn't where i would draft him because you don't need to draft him until the very very end but um I think he was the league MVP two years ago and QB three. He still threw 30 plus touchdowns last year. He didn't have as good a year. And part of that was interceptions. But having gone back and watched those 11 interceptions from last year, six of them were either tipped up in the air or or flat out just handed to defenders. He's still really good. He still has his fastball. Again, my my theme is very often this thing that we decide in our heads that the Patriots are this kind of team or that any team is definitely this kind of team and it will ever be thus just sometimes it's right but it's wrong enough that there's enough noise with the signal that I feel like that's a buying opportunity so I have Brady as a backup quarterback in leagues where I never take backup quarterbacks because it's free I I, I hesitate to say this but I'm gonna say it like I I think he can be your starting quarterback week one Hmm. that is a different take it's definitely different I think the hopeful arrival of Josh Gordon does make this passing game much, much more interesting. That is the wrinkle. Yeah. It's it it changes things from when, you know, Chris is writing the almanac and everybody but I mean Chris has this opinion no matter what. But I think the rest of the world is starting to catch up a little bit, you know, and and I mean he's up to quarterback sixteen now, so which is higher than I think he was a few He's going the tenth round behind Kyler Murray. Yeah. I mean Brady's one of these guys that probably is going to outkick his ADP, but I, I, I tend to think that this offense is, you know, could end up being more run focused. Um, I really, I've really warmed to Sony Michelle. I know Chris, you and I had a small disagreement about him, or, or you think he's a little more icky of a pick than I did uh, this morning. But I, I've really started to warm to him in like the late fourth, early fifth round. Sure, my point, my only point was just that he belongs to a class of running backs that I go. Sure, I can see what goes right, but of course, I mean, you can really see what goes wrong. <laughs> right. You get yeah. the James White game right in the eye, like, oh, cool, I'm ready, waiting, waiting for it, <laughs> and then he carries it three times because James White has to touch it 32 times that week. Um, it just, as a player himself, I have hopes that Michelle is better than he was last season. He wasn't very good last season. Just to add someone to watch on film, he looked like it looked like Stephen Ridley. It looked like yeah. any guy. Yeah. Um, but but the hope is that it was the knee, and everything you hear now is that he's actually looked like he can cut, and he actually looks like he's got some acceleration. Uh, so so I have I'm right there with you with some hope. I mean, we did live through the Damian Harris administration that lasted like one week. <laughs> one week. Yeah, um, those were fun times. Those were those were good administrations. Some of us are still cleaning like, up the confetti. Okay. Because. <laughs> cousin Damien um but yeah I I am fine with Michelle where he's being drafted it's just it does it makes me go oh good I get to rely on this guy again you know it scares me a little bit Brady threw it enough last year Brady Brady like he's been a very good fantasy quarterback when he's had way worse receiving course than he would have had if Josh Gordon hadn't shown up so the absence of Gronk though doesn't seem to deter you at all especially with Nikhil Harry not coming along as expected (laughs) I mean, yeah, I guess on its face, it doesn't. Again, 
to me, Brady and Breeze and Rodgers, and they're the guys who the receiving core they can make do. They make Super Bowls with them. With re- like they're just they they are the ones who pull the wagon to extend the metaphor, as opposed to get in the wagon. And they're good enough that yeah, they just like I can't say it enough. Brady was you know he didn't have Julian Edelman two years ago, and he was the MVP of the league. Fair enough, but uh, so you know I was going to use a statistic with you um, and say the Patriots ran the third most rushing plays last season. But I know that that's just a number and you're right. But let's talk about the tape then. Let's talk about the talent tiebreaker. And that was me remembering the end of last year and looking at Brady not wanting to get hit and looking real stiff. And I know whatever he's like put on weight and eating avocados and whatever else he's doing. Um, <laughs> but I, 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 all of this is fine until the games start, right? I mean, I, I'm, it's funny because I'm remembering overtime against Kansas City on three okay. third and eights when he when he was an unbelievable baller and basically willed that team to the Super sure. Bowl. I, like it's, it strikes me that Brady is a different thing, though. I mean, he's got extra coconut oil or something. <laughs> <laughs> I, so that would be a high saturated fat. I hope he's not doing that. Just as as somebody who has a Brady jersey in his closet. This is the, totally a homer take, but it's not. I think you know, you guys both know that when you come on my show, I'm not like, I root for the Patriots, but I don't bias my takes in favor. I'm yeah. just really surprised that we all, what was what was Brady in our ranks last year? I think he was no, no lower than QB3. He was the MVP of the league the year before. Did yeah. we really just go from QB3 to QB17? It's it's it, it is interesting. That's for sure. Um, Liz, mm-hmm. do you want to talk about a, another quarterback? Speaking of end of season, who didn't look like he was afraid to hit, but everybody looked like he was afraid to. They were afraid to face him. One Sam Darnold, your your good your good My pal good Sam. Friend. Well, I, it could have been Josh Allen too. I didn't know which one you were going to go with here. Uh, I don't know. If there, I mean, I was afraid to watch Josh Allen, but uh, it was fun results. But I mean, Sam Darnold legitimately looked like he was that potential that bitch? next guy. He yeah, was it looked like bitch. he was that bitch. That's right. He was that bitch um, last year. But, but where do we see this offense being this year? I will admit, and Chris, we started to get into this a little bit this morning too, but, you know, I admit to being scared of this offense almost purely because of the head coach because he's probably a lunatic. He's wild. Yeah, he's wild. He's not that bitch, but I don't know. Um, but <laughs> he sends it every week, though. My God. I think that this team is really loaded with a lot of intriguing players. Obviously, Sam Darnold, Le'Veon Bell, Robbie Anderson, if he's healthy, which is a little worrisome. Chris Herndon, when he's back. You've got everybody's famous uh, meaningless slot receiver, Jamison Crowder. There are some pieces on this offense. And, and the line looks actually pretty good, too. So where do we where do we collectively see all of these players? Um, smash cut to Jameson Crowder going, what did I do to Matt Harmon? Calling me meaningless. <laughs> I mean, just uh, you need to be, you know, be drafting Jameson Crowder, his like 75 targets and 50 catches for 560 yards. No one cares about yes, that. I understood your point. Although I think Jameson Crowder still took offense. I probably listening. wouldn't want to say that to Jameson Crowder. So if he was, if he was on the podcast, I probably wouldn't have said it. You're, yeah, I got a fair point. What has Adam Gase ever had to play to call plays with? What has he ever had that was he had Ryan Tannehill at quarterback and he had a bunch of running backs who I mean, at the time, it was real outrage that he didn't use Lamar. Did he overlap with Lamar Miller at all? He didn't. He, he But he had a, a real outrage. that He didn't use Kenyon Drake. Do we feel like it was a real outrage now? Do we feel like, well, he's so crazy that he didn't use. Ken, I mean, aren't we all now thinking, oh, great. If Kalen Drake, if uh, Kalen Balazs can beat out Kenyon Drake, then maybe. Adam Gase knew what he was talking about. Did he have a great receiver? Like, I just don't know that we... I feel like I don't know enough about Adam Gase with this band where the quarterback is better, the running back is 
hilariously better Mm -hmm. to a point that they may not even play the same position. The tight end is certainly better. And the receivers, he had Jarvis Landry at times. So I get, you know, they're, but we like the receiver prospects for the Jets. I, I kind of think that maybe I can see, I can talk myself into liking that offense just fine. But I can at least definitely talk myself into the idea that that off, like the existence of that offense or the existence of Adam Gase as the play caller in that offense doesn't make me immediately turn the television channel. Like doesn't immediately make me go, nope, they're all out. Sorry, can't can't be in on them, Um, which you're not really saying either. You're just saying at their price, you like me, like Liz, we all will take anybody if the price is right. But you're just not liking the price because you're you have those concerns that I guess I I don't share to that extent. I I think when you look at the quarterback. I, I like Matt's point about all of these new pieces certainly make the quarterback more valuable, especially building momentum on what he did down the stretch last season. When I look at the receiving core, the, though, I'm worried about overlap. Like heading into the year, I was pretty high on Robbie Anderson because he seemed like one of these things is not like the other, right? Like he had a very distinct role. We knew what his skill set was and it was differentiated from the other receivers. And and also, particularly with Chris Herndon being suspended for the first month, you're like, okay, well, these high-value targets should go to Robbie Anderson more times than they won't. Understanding that Le'Veon Bell is certainly a large part of the equation. But when I looked at the schedule that he has and the fact that his numbers definitely uh, declined with Quincy Anunua on the field at the top of the season, again, last year, different offense, rookie quarterback who was still finding his way, it's still... I, I am not as high on Robbie Anderson as I was heading into the season and as high as the the consensus is. So I'm interested, Chris, to know where you have him. He is going to face three of the top 10 ranked secondaries, Buffalo, Cleveland, and New York, um, all before the team's week four bye. And I just think people, I'm still bullish on him. He's still, he's just outside of my top 25 wide receivers, not overall. Thank you for clarifying. You're welcome. <laughs> um, but I think it's going to be a rocky September. Maybe. Um, I, again, I don't look at schedules too much. Week three, we're going to all go, can you believe we thought Cleveland's secondary was good? Like, I know we are. Some, we're going to say that a bunch, about a bunch. Of, but, but maybe, maybe that's right. Maybe it, maybe it would be better if he could got to play Arizona three times in a row. I have Anderson lower than you do. I have him 35 and 37, 35 standard, 37 okay. PPR. But, but we should just say, it is melancholy and the infinite wide receiver, wide receiver three sadness. Like it's, there's 50 guys who could be wide receiver threes and to like pitch a fit because you have them at 26 or something is not what I'm here to do. Like it, <laughs> Excellent it, point. it could, it could, it could, it could hundred percent work out. I did an, I did a Robbie Anderson YouTube uh, review of his film and I'll say the whole notion that somehow it was bad chemistry with Sam Darnold, blah, 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 blah. Like at the end of last year, it sure wasn't. There were some amazing hmm. sideline timing throws yeah. that were great. And, and I just think it was, you know, one of those, correlation not being causation kind of things i i, I really don't think quincy Anunua was like the magic key to unlocking sam darnold oh, i don't think that i don't think that anyone's saying that i think that there's just a, an issue about volume and you know opportunity to go around but the point is we all agree that robbie anderson is in that glut of endless wide receiver threes so you can either overpay for him or you cannot and i am saying if you do just brace for a not so pleasant september um in orchard park September might be the last pleasant month before the winter really comes. Nailed it. I, I have a take. <laughs> Still I got it. I have a take about the Bills <laughs> in relation to the Jets. Sure. I think the Bills, there's there's some eerie similarities between these two teams. And I think the Bills are better than the Jets. Um, I think the Bills are further along in their little rebuild than the Jets are. The Jets are kind of in year 
0.5 let's or like 1.5 shall we say because they have the quarterback they've had him for a year but um, they did just get a new head coach and turn over the front office and a new dc and yeah good old greg williams i'm wondering Um, if this is because you have some some connective tissue to to mcdermott yeah no i mean i really like sean mcdermott as sean mcdermott as a coach i am willing to be Slightly optimistic about the quarterback. Um, I'm more optimistic, of course, about Sam Darnold, but maybe the gap between him and Josh Allen isn't that strong. I think they have similar number one receivers in John Brown and Robbie Anderson. I just happen to think John Brown is the better version of Robbie Anderson. I think that they have, is Cole Beasley any worse or better than Jamison Crowder? If he's worse than Jamison Crowder, it's not by. I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to spend my time thinking about that. Yeah. Well, some of us have a lot of time on our hands. (laughs) (laughs) uh, It's, it's not that substantial. I think there's enough similarities here to be like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in this Bills team, like from an NFL perspective, more than this Jets team. I'm more excited about them. And the only, di- the one massive difference the backfield, here is right? the backfield. So how do you negotiate is that? the backfield. Yeah. yeah, that's the one massive difference here is that the... And the electric tight end who will eventually see the see the field. Don't, do not I'm disrespect di- <laughs> Dawson Knox on this sacred podcast. <laughs> uh, the next Chris Herndon before Chris Herndon even comes back. Dawson Knox is going to break out as the, as the Bills rookie tight end. Now, obviously there's a big difference in the backfield, but I, I just have really been interested in buying some of these Bills players on the cheap. That's Josh Allen and Superflex. That's John Brown in every single damn draft I do. I'm in. I'm a Bills fan, basically. Not really. Uh, yeah, I love it. Um, I love counter-programming the supposedly bad teams and loading up on good players on these bad teams that are artificially deflated because everybody's decided Buffalo can't be anything. Uh, I love it. I love getting John Brown. I don't know. I mean, I, you said you like Sam Darnold. You like the quarterback better. I assume for fantasy, you like Josh Allen better. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But but so so I don't mind getting Josh Allen if, if you're in a super flex league and you can wait a little while, et cetera, et cetera. It's funny because Vegas almost agrees with you. Vegas has the Jets at seven and a half wins and Buffalo at seven. So even though I'm with you, there sort of is a fantasy perception of how, oh, you can trust the Jets guys. Robbie Anderson, real interesting, huh? You know, Le'Veon Bell, certainly very good. Let's look at Chris Herner when he gets back. When he gets to Buffalo, it feels to me anecdotally like everybody turns their nose up. And I'm with Matt. I think that that's I think there are interesting double digit round gambles to be made there. Yeah, I think it's it's not so much a Vegas perspective. It's like media perspective. Like people again, yeah. oh, the Jets are suddenly interesting. You know, like Good we were point. just yeah. we were all just willing to call them like a show not long ago uh, when they didn't have it when they fired their GM after the draft. But now it's like, oh, the Jets interesting because Joe Douglas, this guy, we really don't know anything about, <laughs> but we must pretend to know things about. Um, he's the GM now, and things are interesting. Sure, but just on, I mean, yeah, John, Bra- like you're right, you're totally right, Chris. Good players in these bad offenses get completely discounted, and it's ridiculous. Like John Brown, but wide that's receiver. a trope that we create, Matt. I mean, like how many times have both are both of us guilty of saying, like, you want to attach yourself to good to players good and a good offense? And I'm not messing with the Giants because, little, like, sure, we but don't go so that. extreme about it. Where John Brown's wide receiver 55, kiss my ass, John because, Brown wide because receiver because it's a 55. value pick. That's why we're not saying it, it's not the same as taking Saquon Barkley. I was giving yourself, I'm giving you an opportunity to shine there to say wide to receiver glow up, 55, bitch, glow kiss up. my ass. Yes. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> you want to talk about the Miami Dolphins? Um, I don't really know no. why. We, it's just because we have to, um, because we're going to talk about the AFC East. By the way, apparently players are threatening to, quote, legit revolt if Laramie Tunsil is included in a potential trade for Jadavian Clowney. Things so, are going well in Miami. Maybe you shouldn't have, uh, maybe you shouldn't have should I ma- done that Jay-Z should I make stunt, the, uh, Flores. Should I make the obligatory gas mask bong joke now? 
Sure. Oh God, I forgot about Laramie, that. Laramie Tunsil's draft stock went way down because he got tweeted a picture of himself toking in a gas in a like I don't a, think he tweeted no, it he of himself. Tweet it. Yeah, Somebody someone, tweeted it of him. Someone oh, leaked okay. it to, to to bang him. But more shocking, uh, Andrew Luck retiring out of nowhere on a Saturday, or Laramie the Laramie Tunsil video hitting your timeline draft night. Andrew Luck. <laughs> I think Andrew Luck, but yeah, I mean, you mean, I'm not you a big mean offensive college football players do smoke weed? I mean, just Dunning. not, not the, okay, not the reality that he was smoking weed, but like, just, I will never forget that popping up because that was just so crazy. Are you buying into Kalen Balaj, Chris? No, 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 God, no. <laughs> I mean, if it's, it is a ringing condemnation of Kenyon Drake, who looks like he had a decent fantasy season last year because of, Hail Mary touchdowns and dopey. The Miami un, Miracle. Un, yeah, like stupid stuff. Like I made Kenyon Drake like a centerpiece of what I wanted people to do last year. That was just flat out wrong. Uh, I still think he's a pretty good player. At, like when I see him run, I'm like, ooh, he's pretty good. But at this point, it's something else. Something's going on. Matt and I talked earlier on my show about something about just, you know, at some point you go, it was it was uh, Keelan Cole. Like at some point you go. All right. Well, they're not using him, and he looks like that compared to this doofus. This Frank Gore doofus or Kalen Balaj doofus they're using. There's something going on we can't know about. We just have to accept that it's there. That Kenyon Drake hasn't started since junior high or whatever. Like he's just not <laughs> going. You know, if, if you can't beat, well, he hasn't. I mean, maybe in high school. I I have some line about that in the uh, in in the almanac about how uh, there's some there's some CPA some accountant out there named Spencer who's laughing because he because Kenyon Drake couldn't get carries over him in high school or like I'm not counting on Kenyon Drake to be anything, but Kalen Balaj is as he's Alfred Blue. So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> wow. I mean, tell us how you really feel, Chris. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, he's a he's a big he's impre- you know they, what do they say? Looks like Tarzan plays like Jane. Not not a very politically co- uh, correct comment, but uh, let me guess. How, how do you feel about Carly Lloyd kicking in the NFL? Don't actually tell me. Um, <laughs> that would be great. That'd be great. That's fine. I got no problem. I so think you know a- I'm fairly fairly know. progressive, but I is there but my, anyone? My, is there anyone in Miami that you'd mess with? At the right price, I'll mess with with um, Drake <laughs> and Balaj probably. Like at the right play, I think they're both probably both going too low. So if I, you know, if I'm in the twelfth round and Kevin Balaj is sitting there, even if I think he's Albert Blue, I don't mind just saying, all right, well, what if I'm wrong? I mean, he, he was he was one year, and maybe he figured out how to move laterally in the time between. I don't mind like recognizing that. If everything went right, if we were just wrong about the Dolphins and instead of winning four and a half games, they're going to win seven games or eight games and they're going to be more functional than we think, then Balaj might score some touchdowns. I don't hate that, but, you know, not not as there's nothing there that I would want to count on. That's for sure. And that's mostly because are there good players in Miami? I think it's a question worth asking. Are there actually good skill position players in Miami? I mean, there might be a bird alert. I can't I can't quit Kenny Stills and Albert Wilson late in drafts. So. Albert Wilson's tough, though. Albert Wilson's. I think Brian just Flores like, might want to quit Kenny Stills. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Look, that's the thing. Yeah. If I can't quit Kenny Stills, and then Brian Flores quits Kenny Stills, and he gets traded somewhere, that could be interesting. Yeah, but uh, Albert Wilson just—I mean, wasn't wasn't this the same story in Kansas City? Like, oh, people just love him. He's so good. He's, and then they just there's not a role. There's just not a role for him. He's not. He's a slot sized guy who doesn't really do slot type things. It's just it's he's sort of a, he has good skills, but it doesn't seem like NFL teams know how to use him. Chris, when you say people said you're saying I, I'm right here. I am people. I'm the one that said those things. I'm right here. <laughs> right. And, well, I mean, do, do you disagree with my take on Albert Wilson? Good skills, but maybe no, they don't know how to use them. 
I'm hoping I, I I can talk myself in. I can tell myself a story. Let's put it this way. I can tell myself a story where I think Albert Wilson has some Julian Edelman type skills. And this is a obviously wide receivers coach turned offensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins, who is obviously familiar with Julian Edelman and how to make use of a slot receiver. I think there's a chance that he could pile up some production as a slot receiver. And I think we did if see Josh him. Rosen were under center. You're, yeah, I mean, to your credit, to your credit, I think that Rosen has clearly outplayed uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick this preseason. But for doesn't matter for whatever reason, it seems like they're insistent on going with with Ryan Fitzpatrick. The the thing is also should be noted too that you know Albert Wilson, short area route runner, short area target guy, you know manufactured touches guy. This is an offensive line that I think has potential to just be like one of those units where that just completely sinks a team and. At least your bunny hop reception guy, Albert Wilson, would be uh, the only one that's interesting there. So here, here's how I know that that take is wrong, because they're totally united around Laramie Tunsil. They're going to play for Laramie Tunsil. So they're going to be great. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, the revolt. <laughs> <laughs> it's happening. You have created quite a revolt with your own independent pod. So why don't you tell our view, our listeners one more time about it? It's it's truly revolutionary. Can I quote? Can I can that be like the poll quote from Liz Loza? Truly I mean, revolutionary. I mean, you kind of podcast? intimate that on every episode. <laughs> I got to do, but you listen. So. Uh, it's uh, five days a week. Uh, HarrisFootball.com. It's lots of it's you guys are you know, I have a guest every day where I do half the show myself and then a guest comes on for the other half. And um, it's fun. And we talk and I don't let people get away with crutch arguments. And uh, I believe that uh, I may have been the one to coin the phrase PD sunshine, but uh, I'm willing to let Liz use it and not attribute it. It's cool. Ooh. It's all right with me. I okay, so if I have stolen any intellectual property, mea culpa, I will be sending you. Um, how about a, like a gift certificate for a bunch of charcoal lattes, and and we can squash it. <laughs> an, an edible arrangement, as cousin Josh would say. Of edibles. An edible, an, edible, an edible arrangement. Oh, like one of those gross fruit flower things? Yes, not, <laughs> not like not like a goddamn uh, <laughs> like, yeah. not like a goddamn plate of weed brownies. That's Liz. what I was thinking. <laughs> you can send that over. I mean, it was on the heels of the Tunsil take. All right, what do you want from me? Anyway, definitely go check out Christopher Harris's Harris Football Podcast. It is excellent. Matt and I have both been on it. We both vouch for it. We love Chris. Chris, tell everyone where they can follow you on Twitter at Harris Football. There you go. And Instagram, same thing. Yeah, I don't do tons on Instagram. I'm on there. I mean, you know, if people want to check out the YouTube show, that, that that's useful because I, you know, I'm breaking down film. I know Matt, I'm interested in Matt's take on my on my. I'm interested in everybody who's listening's take on my top five route runner video. But it's it's not me on camera. It's just me, my voice breaking down game film. Well, check it out and then be sure to go at Chris uh, with your with your take about his take, because that will certainly not make your day full, Chris. All right. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Matt, do you still have a pod? Season finale of Rookie Orientation with Daniel Jones. Well, I mean, not with Daniel Jones, but about Daniel Jones. But we will be joined by Ben Humphreys, Daniel Jones' college roommate. And I think you're going to find that that will be an interesting perspective um, on the player that many have bashed over the last uh, few months. You know, sure present present company included. Illuminating for sure. You can follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Liz Loza underscore FF. That's at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. We are out. Hold up. 